0: Morning. Go ahead, grab a seat. It's great to see you guys. Hey, would you join me in prayer as we jump in the word this morning? Thank you, Lord. Father in heaven, we come before you today, Lord, knowing that you are among us, knowing that your hand is upon our lives and that you're doing a work among us. Holy Spirit of God, we welcome you here. Lord, would you come, would you move and touch, bring transformation, bring breakthrough? Lord, we love how you minister to people and we invite you today. God, come and have your way. Come on, anybody agree with that prayer? Lord, come and have your way. Lord I thank you that today would be a fresh start for some it would be the moment of deliverance for others and breakthrough that people have been seeking and uh, Lord also that you would heap blessing upon blessing on lives Lord that that uh, our lives would resound with joy that uh, people would see us and know certainly Jesus that you're among us Lord I thank you for that I bless I bless I bless our time together and uh, and pray these things right now in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Come on. It's good to see you guys. I, uh, my family and I went on a little bit of a road trip. How many in here do road trips? A few of us. <laughs> my wife's excited about that. Uh, we do road trips because there are 10 of us. Have you ever tried to fly with eight children? No, you haven't. You've never tried to do that. But if you did, you would know why I love road trips. No, we uh, we just love them. I love the the fact that you get to see so much of, you know, uh, everything along the way and the experience of it all. Actually, I prefer driving over flying. I don't know why, but I would choose that over uh, over the option. So, but we were on a road trip, and uh, my. Uh, i I've realized something about myself so when we arrive at a destination I love it I try to soak in every second of it i'm uh, you know this time we were in Utah and we're looking at the beauty of God's creation and experiencing you know the, the different terrain rock formations and just the beauty of it and and when I'm in a place I try to soak in every aspect of it anybody with me you enjoy it so you try to enjoy it. but but I have found that when I, when we're, we're, we're driving there, there is a section. It's about 15 hours long. It's called Nebraska. <laughs> that listen, I love y'all. If you're from Nebraska, God bless you. I know why you're here. <laughs> I I I set the GPS. Okay. and I I set a destination, and then once that destination gets fixed, I don't look up. And and there may be, you know, uh, uh, the desire to stop along the way, especially for young ones who need to relieve the nature's urge, right? Like that that thing of of we must stop. I can hear it from the back, but, but often I'll put headphones in. And and I'm looking at that GPS and I and I have chosen that Siri is a liar and that I can beat her time. <laughs> Especially across Nebraska, all right? And so I intentionally set up a little bit of competition between me and the GPS when it comes to the long flat states. <laughs> Anybody with me here? Okay. All right. The the problem with this kind of mode though is that you miss everything along the way. Now, in when it comes to, you know, that sort of terrain, maybe maybe there's I don't want to degrade our fellow neighbors too much, but there's not much to see. Um, And so the destination mindset gets fixed in my head, and I stop engaging where we are presently in the trip. It happens, it's the first first day, first day and a half, because we're a day and a half away from anything worth looking at. (laughs) <laughs> it's like 14 hours away from mountains or 14 hours away from... And, and so that first chunk of time, I set that, that goal. And then I fix my eye on the goal. And we're going to get to the goal. And anything that's a distraction around or any kind of complaint or desire or whatever, I am putting it in the background and I no longer can hear it. And we are going to make our goal. It's just the dad mindset on the road trip. Are you, are you, anybody like who I am in this moment here? We got a few of you like this. Okay. Here's the problem with that kind of mindset is that when you get locked into the goal, the objective, the thing that we're going to achieve, none of the journey uh, before you reach that goal is memorable. Nothing about it was engaged at a heart level. You know, while there not be something to see outward, the engagement of a heart towards kids is possible. The engagement of time is possible. The relational values. There, There are so many other things that can be engaged, but I've found that when I set my eye on a goal, a priority, an objective, when I get fixed on that thing, everything else turns to background noise. It's not bad in a road trip, but it's a terrible way to live your life. It's a terrible way to live your life. In fact, most of, 99% of your potential God encounters are on the journey, not at the destination. 99%, like the vast majority of your, and suddenly is with God, happen on the way, not once you get there. This mindset, it's so easy to get into, and we, you know, we set goals and we set priorities. Some people even like to call them callings. I'm called to achieve such and such. And so we will set a priority in front of us of a, I'm called to achieve that thing. And maybe it's even from the Lord, where the Lord, the Holy Spirit, prompted you and said, you are supposed to do that thing, whatever that thing is. You're supposed to be, you're supposed to achieve that thing. God put it in your heart, and so you set your eye on that thing, and you begin to run the race, and everything else becomes a blur. Why? Because you're fixed on achieving, unfortunately... You end up missing all the things along the way that were to prepare you. You end up missing all the things along the way that were actually the God kisses, eternity trying to come and invade your space, the stuff that actually would have made you ready for when you arrived there. Good. Is anybody alive today? Come on, how many times does our Lord and Savior, Jesus, is to say that he is on the way to such and such city? And then all of the story in between is the stuff you're reading. It's not the destination at all. He's on his way to Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And he happens to be passing through Samaria when he meets the woman at the well. Like that story is a transformational story about someone's life that gets absolutely, totally touched by God. And Jesus ends up spending multiple days in that city preaching the gospel, and many people come to know him, and many miracles, and many healings, and all that stuff. And all of it was in a place he wasn't supposed to be. It was the in-between and it was on the journey. The calling in our life is as we go, we are to preach. But here's the deal. And this, I, I, I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. So many become fixated, even in ministry, where you become fixated on a destination, that that's where the gospel supposed to be preached, is on the destination. So we set up an event, and at the destination, we're going to preach. We set up a conference, and at the destination, we're going to preach. We set up a, every Friday night, our group's going to go out and evangelize, and that's where we share the gospel destination, after destination, after destination. And if we can just fill our lives full of as many destinations as we can, then somehow we'll have done well. It is literally the opposite point of view that Christ held. It's not how you're called to live. It's a terrible way to live. Actually, when you become destination oriented, when you become goal oriented, you miss everything along the way that actually prepares you for these goals. God knows how to get you where you're supposed to go. Anybody agree with that statement? He knows how to get you there. Jesus set his eye on that, and he's on his way, and he is making sure that he doesn't miss anything on the journey. That's the life you're supposed to live. A life less ordinary. Now, this last Thursday, uh, I was at our men's group here. We have a men's group on Thursday mornings, and we were praying for each other, ministering to each other. And then uh, I asked the question, I asked people to start sharing stories, testimonies of what they had been seeing Jesus do, like in their lives lately. And all of the stories were about the Holy Spirit prompting them to talk to somebody and to pray for them. It was story after story. And it, it wasn't in general about this is what I see God doing. It wasn't euphoric. It was... I was at the store when the Holy Spirit prompted me. I was doing my job when the Holy Spirit prompted me. All of them were, as you go, preach the gospel. And so, uh, uh, one guy, uh, I'm going to, probably not, I'm not going to use names um, for these stories. These are all people sitting among you, even this morning. Uh, This is normal people, normal life. This is just how you live life. This is what you're supposed to do. Uh, this dad and daughter were going out shopping and they just happened to be in like a mom-and-pop type store just doing some shopping on the weekend. There, there was no, no pretense to it. They, they didn't go beforehand and think, okay, today we're going to preach the gospel to people. We're going to set the agenda and we're going to put it out before us that we have a goal that everywhere we go, we're going to preach the gospel. None of that. It was literally just... Dad is taking daughter shopping. Anybody ever done that before? So there they are. They're in this little shop. They walk in, they do their shopping, they approach the counter. There's a woman behind the counter and as they are paying for their stuff, they're just engaging in friendly conversation and the woman begins to share all the things that are going wrong in her life. Just you're in this moment. And listen, I I want you to get something in, like I I want this mindset in you as you're hearing these stories. The Holy Spirit is upon your life and in you like a river. The Holy Spirit has anointed your life that wherever you go, the Holy Spirit, you are the temple of God. When you walk into a shop filled with darkness, it doesn't matter. The light in you is shining and it pushes out all that darkness you are the light of the world so here dad and daughter are just shopping walk to the counter that light that river is flowing in and through them they're not trying to do or accomplish anything there's no agenda they're just being and that light is shining from it's touching her that river is flowing washing over her and what happens when light touches it Woo! out comes the confession this is all the stuff going wrong This is all the, see, when light comes in, all the garbage has got to go. They're just normal conversation, and all of a sudden, stuff, this is what's going wrong, and this, and oh, can you believe this is what's happening, and blah, just the pain just starts erupting out of her. You ever been in a conversation with someone, and they just start sharing all their pain? This is what I'm going through? You ever been talking to a stranger, and just out of them comes the stuff? Anybody? Come on. Yeah, of course you have. You know what that is? That is the Holy Spirit ministering. That's what happens. So he's listening to this, and then this is the beauty of this moment. All it takes is this. Wow, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Can I pray for you? How hard is that? So easy. Man, I'm so sorry that you're going through that. Would it be okay if I prayed for you? Yes, I would love that. He prays for her, as he prays for her, the presence of God touches her, is bringing healing to her inside. She's crying. The whole thing is very powerful moment. They walk away from the counter. The daughter looks at dad and goes, "Man, I'm so proud to be your daughter." Walks out the store. Person's life gets touched by God. Affirmation in the family. How powerful is this moment? This is God. Another guy working overnight at a hotel is the concierge and it's early hours of the morning and there's a woman in the lobby. He's just standing behind the desk and there's a woman in the lobby making her coffee and he's just doing his stuff, minding his own business and he feels the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I want you to talk to her. Right? The argument's going on internally. No. (laughs) No, that's weird. No. I'm not going to. No, I want you to talk to her. No, I don't want to talk to her. Gets a word of knowledge. There's this flash picture. It's something very simple, like her playing with a puppy when she's little. Nothing big. Just this picture. And the Lord's saying, I want you to share this with her. I want you to talk to her. Finally, reluctantly, oh, fine, right? Walks over to her and go, asks her the question, hey, you ever owned a puppy? No, i never owned a puppy. That's a weird. <laughs> no, haven't. Why? Well, because I'm standing behind the desk, and I felt like God told me to come over here and pray for you. <gasps> you feel like God told you to pray for me? <sighs> she gets all lit up and excited about the fact that God would single her out for someone, a stranger, to pray for her. Right? In that moment, can I tell you, you, you got, you've got the word wrong. You feel like you got the word wrong. Man, what I thought I heard wasn't even correct information. It's so easy in that moment to be focused on you. So easy to go, oh, I blew it. Oh, But can I tell you that that's not actually what the important thing was in that situation? It was that you needed to demonstrate love for the person. Who cares if you got the information wrong? Who cares? So is. Prays for her. And as he's praying for her, man, she goes into full on, like, weeping, snot bubbles, the whole bit. And then, as the prayer is ending, finally she goes, Oh, I remember when I was little. I've never owned a dog my whole life, but when I was little, someone tried to get me a puppy and blah, blah, blah. And it turns out the word was right and it linked up once the ministry happened. God is in you like a river trying to touch people's lives. Another guy, he's a physical therapist. He's working in people's houses and he does therapy for people and he's in this man's house. And for some reason it was just like there was tension in the household. And he's he's doing his job and the person that he's uh that, that is receiving the therapy just gets angry and you know frustrated and was like, I never want you in my house again. And the guy hadn't been really doing anything. It was just very much like Like, "Ah, I don't want you in my house. Right? I want you to imagine now. Step back. Use your imagination. Man walks in full of the Holy Spirit. The light of heaven is in him. Steps into a person's situation who happens to have some torment going on in their life. The light of heaven is ministering to them even before. He's not having to preach. He's not having to do anything. His presence is irritating to demons. Right? The contention rises up. And so he just, he just, you know, steps away from the moment, and he's sort of doing his things. He's got to do his job, and quietly under his breath, he's praying in tongues, ministering the Holy Spirit. Right? Just praying in tongues. Private, private prayer language. He didn't stand on the coffee table and begin to preach. He didn't, in Jesus' name, come out of him. He didn't do none of that. He just quietly released the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then went back to doing his job. Very soon after, the guy's demeanor totally changes. It's like, actually, I really want you here. I like that you're in my house. I want you to come back. And now it is unlocked conversations. They're talking about spirituality and faith each time they see each other. What do you think's going on here? The Holy Spirit of God is in you like a river, and he wants to get out. Wants to minister to people. Last story, and then we'll get into the word. one of our guys is in a store at the mall shopping. And uh, he's with his wife and his mom. And wife and mom are uh, in some other place in the store. And he finds himself alone, sort of in the center of the store. And this young man approaches him with a backpack. And he leans over to him. and says, hey, will you you open my backpack for me? And uh, our guy kind of steps back for a moment and asks a question, as you should. Uh, and like, hey, what do you need me to do that for? He's like, oh, I'm trying to get this stuff. Would you open my backpack for me so I can steal the stuff? Right? So it was a good moment to have a check from the Holy Spirit and maybe have a word of wisdom, <laughs> ask a question, find out what's going on, right? He, he says, whoa, hey, no, man, you don't want to be doing that stuff. And the kid's explaining to him, no, I'm new in town. I just got here. I don't have anything. I'm needing, I'm needing some stuff. I don't have any money. I don't, whatever. He's expressing to him his place of need, and it's the reason why he's stealing stuff. And our guy is saying to him, no, you don't want to do that. And he starts sharing the hope of his own testimony. He says, hey, I came from poverty. I came from a place where I didn't have anything. And the Lord, Jesus, touched my life and has brought me up out of that stuff, and God will do that same for you. And the kid is going, No, 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 I need this stuff. And he's explaining to him, No, come on. And they're having this conversation. And as he's sharing the hope of his testimony, and it's not weird, it's totally normal engagement. He's not there standing there preaching to him, he's literally breaking off some hope. As he's sharing with him, he's taking the stuff out of the kid's hands and just putting it back on the rack. You don't want to be doing this. I'm telling you, Jesus will change your life. He empties the kid's hands, reaches in his wallet, pulls out his wallet, and takes all the money in it and gives it to the kid. The kid looks at it and says to him, this is the most anyone has ever given me. Our guy goes, let me pray for you. And in the middle of a store in the mall... Doesn't matter. Anybody's looking because it was totally normal. No one's feeling self-conscious. No one's feeling weird and on the spot. No one's looking around because in that moment, the presence of God is meeting them in that place. And he ministers to him. And the kid, after the amen, says to him, I think you just changed my life and walks out of the store. You and I are called to live a life less ordinary. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have a Savior who lived and fulfilled the old covenant, the law, and the prophets. He fulfilled it so that you would have a life of freedom that could be lived under God. Your life isn't to fulfill all the law and the prophets. You have been set free under Christ. His blood has washed you. You have been set free from the law of sin and death. You now have liberty in God to live your life unto him. And in that freedom, if you will walk by the Holy Spirit, learn to walk in step with him, your life will transform the people around you. Your life will make such an impact. Can I tell you that this is how our Savior lived? He lived under the unction of the Holy Spirit. He walked in step with his father. It wasn't an agenda that made him take steps each day. It wasn't goals that he set out. He didn't mark his path and say, I'm going to achieve this thing, and that's why my father's going to be proud of me. That's not it. It's not how he lived his life. His whole ministry is walking with people and along the way, giving people hope telling people that the kingdom is at hand and that life can get better, that God can transform them. And then he's healing the sick. He's ministering under the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is you, my friends. That's who you are. It's so easy to set the destination and then focus on the calling and miss everything in between. Your life is a life called to make impact the whole journey, not just at those destination points. Is anybody alive today? Yeah. Come on. This is Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. I've shared out of this passage of Scripture many times, but this last week I was studying it, and... Uh, There was a phrase that just kept jumping out at me, and it's been wrecking me. And I want to share it with you. This is Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Can I give you modern language for that? The word gospel means good news of the kingdom. He's giving people hope. That's what he's doing. He's not preaching that he's going to the cross and because he's going to the cross, you will be forgiven his sins. He's not preaching that. The good news of the kingdom is that God's rule and reign is among us and that things will get better, that God is here and can intervene in your situation. Has anybody ever said to somebody in a bad spot, I know that God can break through for you? You ever said words like that? I know Jesus has done a work in my life. I know that he can do a work in yours. You ever said something like that? Congratulations, you are preaching the kingdom. You were giving the good news, the hope of God's rule in this world. You were preaching the kingdom. It is the gospel. He was healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and they were dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Let me read it one more time. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and they were dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into this harvest. That phrase there, seeing the people, that's what's been wrecking me. Seeing the people, he had compassion. Seeing what's going on, seeing their needs, he felt compassion. Seeing the people. I'll tell you what happens in life. We get destination-oriented, and so you're on the way to work, and you pass by 10 opportunities where people had needs, and you didn't even see it. And the reason you didn't see it is because you're fixated on what you had to do today. That's why. Going to the grocery store, and you need to get... You have a goal. You have to get some things, And then you have a goal. I need to get home to prepare supper, or I need to get home to fill in the blank. There's always something. There's always an agenda item. And we fixate on the goals and the destinations and the agendas, and then everything in between we don't even see. It's a blur. You you can't think of all the people you pass by in that supermarket. You didn't see them. I mean, especially with the masks on. Man, you didn't see anybody. Right? Some of you had, like, masks and goggles and, like... (laughs) wearing <laughs> wetsuit. Like, like you didn't see people. You couldn't see people. How about this? How many on the way to church today, how many people were there standing on the street corners asking for money? How many did you see? Now, we in the burbs, we're in the suburbs. We might not. If you came to the cities, you're going to see more of this than you do out here. But you're, you are seeing it. Every one of our freeway exits have somebody standing on it every day now. But did you see them? This is the issue. I, I, Nikki and I lived in Germany for three years, and we were close to a city, and we spent a lot of time in this city. And, and I had grown up in, you know, Prior Lake, which was at one point was considered rural Minnesota. You know, now it's just a suburb. But this, it, it, was, it was out there. We had nothing like this. This is just, these are, these are farm communities and And so I I moved to what is a city, and we would spend time there, and we would walk into the city center, and there would be many families begging for help. That street center, the the center plots of that city was filled with people, not like overflowing into the center, but along the edges, along the, the sides, there were. People begging, little cardboard signs, and I look down at them and see, that the thing is, is that coming out of a situation where I never seen this before, I couldn't help but notice, and my heart is moved. and I'm seeing their situation. I can't even read the sign. I don't know what's going on, but I know that they have a need. And so I am moved, and I'm giving money, and I'm giving money to every single person that I see, and this is happening over and over and over, and it got annoying to my friends, like, hey, why are you helping them? Why are you stopping? You're doing this every single time. But I couldn't help it because I could see them. But I'm telling you, there is a time, and it's so subtle, so subtle, where suddenly you have something to do, and you're trying to get someplace. And when the gear kicks in, you begin to stop seeing the people, and it just becomes a blur. You, you can program your mind. Your mind does this automatically. I, I found this out because I have some, uh, you ever have like, like the, the floaters in your eyes? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, whatever that is. Like I had a bunch of floaters in my eyes and you know, I went to the eye doctor and he looked at me like, yep, sure enough. I'm like, hey, do you do something for this? It's, you know, just, hey, welcome to your 40s, you know. <laughs> and, and he's like, but don't worry about it. They'll be gone And he was like, a month from now you will stop seeing them. I was like, oh, they just like disintegrated or not? And he's like, no, your brain will erase them. Your brain will literally stop seeing them. Because they're constantly there, you will no longer see them. You won't even register. This is what your brain does. You stop seeing the need. Jesus is surrounded, inundated, day after day. He has three years of, can you imagine this? I, I just want to just try this one on for a second. Because there's stories of, like, evangelists and people have ministered throughout history where this would happen to them. Like, let's say you go to work, you know, tomorrow. You go into work, and there's a, a person, and your job's got cancer. And, and you find out what's going on, and you go, man, I'm so sorry. Can I pray for you? and you pray for them, and it's a God moment. Man, awesome, way to go. You go back to work, it's a normal day. They go in for their oncology appointment. A week later, the doctor tells them, cancer's gone. Things start linking up in their head, huh? They come back and they tell you, you prayed for me and the cancer went away. Woo, it's a good day, okay? A couple months go by, someone else in the office has a friend, a family member that's got cancer, and they had heard the story. Hey, that dude prayed, and they got healed, and they ask you, can you come over? You pray. You do. You go and you pray. Wow, God's expanding your ministry. This is amazing. You pray for them. They get healed. You see where this is going? It doesn't take very much time before that sort of rumor gets out, and next thing you know, people are finding you. See, you stopped for the one, and you ministered, and now you have ministry coming to you. Jesus has done this now for three years, and he has thousands of people following him, trying to get him to do stuff for them. All day long, every day, they can't get alone. Anytime he tries, he goes out on a boat in the middle of the sea, an 8-mile by 10-mile lake. You can't even—you can't really see across it. It's not like people don't know where he's going. He goes out on the lake, and the people are running around the lake shore to meet him on the other side because they guessed at where he would land. He can't get away from it. Okay, this is what happens if you begin to minister in the Spirit. This is what will happen to your life. People won't leave you alone. Now, let me ask you a question. What happens to your sight when nothing but people with needs all day long are in your face? I have friends who are social workers. This is what happens to them. When you see need all day long, you stop seeing need when you're off the job. You can't. You have to decompress. You have to step out. You've got to get away from it. you got to. But that's not Jesus. Look at what he does. Jesus, everywhere he goes, even at the end of his ministry, when he has been up to here, eyeballs with people's needs, for three and a half years, he sees the people still. Now this is wild. I want you to feel this tension because it says that he only did what he saw the father doing. It says that as he was passing by some blind people, they called out, Jesus, Jesus. Remember these stories? That means he was passing by people with needs. That means he wasn't healing everybody. That means that he wasn't stopping every time there was a need. That, that's not what was happening, that he was following the unction of the Holy Spirit. And as he was in step with the Holy Spirit... He had the opportunity to minister to people along the way. He gave permission for his day to be interrupted by people's needs, but not everyone's needs. It was according to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me here? There's this divine tension going on in Jesus. He's seeing all the needs. He's, not, he's refusing to ignore it. He's not letting it become background noise. If you lived in San Francisco and every day you got up and you saw all the people living on your street every day, very quickly, you would stop seeing the people in need and you'd start seeing your city again. It'll happen. I was wondered like, why? How can a person, like, how can you ignore the fact that you have, like, an encampment of people out in front of your door? But this is how. Because you become normalized. And you stop seeing you feel disempowered. You can't do anything about it. You, like, it's overwhelming. Have you ever felt these things? Can I tell you that God wants to cause your life to be so powerful that it transforms your families? That, that your workplace will never be the same that your life is empowered and his Holy Spirit is leading you and you are doing great exploits for Jesus. Not because you set a goal and then you created an event and now you're going to go finally do it. The it doesn't exist. It's not a mission trip you're looking for. If you start seeing the people, having compassion, oh, it'll lead you right where you need to go. Jesus sees the people and has compassion on them and prioritizes them over his GPS setting. I am uh, seeing more and more each day. This This is happening in our society more and more. There's more and more people. Maybe it's just me recognizing. It might be the season, though. Current social and economic has put many families in some rough spots. There's people with need around you. It's not just the natural need. It's also the spiritual need. I, I, I'm amazed by this, that you can have somebody in a three-piece suit who is, looks like their life is put together, but if the Holy Spirit prompts you to talk to them and you ask them if there's anything that, that you can pray for for them, what will come up out of them? People who have it put together on the outside doesn't mean that their insides and their inner worlds are put together. There's a hunger, actually, in the people today for ministry from the Lord. People have need, and God wants to insert them into your lives. You don't have to go out of the way. In fact, if you just give permission that you will be somebody who will say yes to the opportunities when they come across your path, God will start putting them on your path. You're not going to need to get too far off your journey before an angel takes person and leads them across your path. And you'll feel the prompting, the tugging of the Holy Spirit to pray for them, minister to them, to take some act of kindness, give them a cup of cold water. Before you know it, you'll find your life filled with opportunities to touch people with the love of Jesus. Anybody live today? He saw what the father was doing and he did that. But here's the deal. When your heart gets calloused and you begin to stop seeing the need, how do you awaken the seeing eye once again? I want to propose something to you today. Because this is what I see for our church. This is who we are. As a people at the very core of who we are, God is leading us by the Spirit. There isn't a great agenda to achieve. Maybe you figured that out. I, I don't know. If some of you haven't been here very long, so you, you're going to figure it out pretty quickly here. But I, I, I get this question all the time. What's the vision of the church? Pastor, what are we trying to achieve? And the reason they're asking, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful question, but the reason they're asking that is because I want to get behind an agenda and I want to work for an agenda, And what I tell them is, hey, yeah, the agenda is let's go ahead and see the goodness of God, the hope of God touch the people's lives that he brings across your path. That's it. In fact, I I don't think that God has an agenda for you. I don't think there's a list of things that you're supposed to do. You might think differently, and that's fine. You know, I've been wrong before. So have you. I don't think he has a list of things for you to accomplish up there that you're going to get to heaven and find out you didn't do five of the things you were supposed to do. I don't think that's it. I think that the goal of life is to walk in step with him each day. I really do. I I think that to love God and love people is the goal. And that if you'll allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and to prompt you and that you'll stay present in the journey... If you'll if you just stay present in the journey that God will use your life so powerfully to bring transformation. But if we mix it up and we start to make transformation the goal, we'll miss the whole thing. You'll miss the whole thing. If, if you make, we got to get this thing accomplished, we got to get this thing done. Well, we only have a certain amount of time before and we need to get this thing done. And, you know, who cares who we run over in the meantime? I'm not sure Jesus is with you. Because it's not how he lived his life. The Holy Spirit of God is in you. Wants to use your life so powerfully. Will you give him permission? It's a simple process. It's actually so easy. It's literally this. As you go, give hope to people. Okay, repeat after me. God can turn this situation around. There you go. He just preached the kingdom. He will turn all things for good. There you go. Okay? Anytime you see the works of the devil, okay, the works of the devil are easy to spot. Okay? It says that Jesus came to give life, to give it abundantly, but the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if you bump into someone's life with loss, death, and destruction... Okay? The markings of the corrosion and the destruction of sin on someone's life or situation. If you see that, your job is to announce the kingdom to them. God can turn this thing around. Give them hope. You're a hope dealer. It's who you are. Okay? He touched your life. He's done something in your life. And you can take that and you can share the hope of Christ with people. He has taken this hope, and he has put it in earthen vessels. you got to pop the lid, and you got to share it with people. And It's really as simple as, hey, man, God can turn this thing around. Can I pray for you? See, what that is right there, it's that simple. God can turn this around. I just gave hope. I shared the good news that God is among us, and his kingdom will touch their lives. And now I need to minister the Holy Spirit. If I minister the Holy Spirit, supernatural power will happen, and God will do something that transforms their life. I am not here to determine what God wants to do in their life. I don't bring an agenda to a ministry situation. If I bring an agenda to a ministry situation, that's where disappointment comes in. Someone comes up to me, and they're like, please heal me, pastor. I can't heal you. We're going to go to Jesus, though, and we're going to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. Because so often there is all sorts of things that are in the way of somebody, all sorts of pain in the past. And the Lord is actually trying to heal their soul. So much more going on than just, let's just zap the thing and be done. It's not my agenda that we're is setting. So I minister the Holy Spirit. When I minister the Holy Spirit, it is as simple as giving opportunity for God to touch their lives. Listen, God will turn your thing around. I know he can. He's done it for me. Can I pray for you? Yeah, sure. All right. Holy Spirit River. I feel like I had this picture. I shared it the first service. It's kind of a goofy picture. But anybody play video games where you fight each other one-on-one like this? You know, and there's, like, super moves and, like, super powers shoot across. There was a game called Tekken. Anybody know what Tekken and a few of us, come on, be proud in here. <laughs> Listen, us geeks got to stand together. There's this game, and, and uh, the, there was a character in there who would just go, oh, you can, and shoot this like river of power out of them and blast the other character across the screen. This is what I see, okay? I see this like harmless uh, uh, little old lady. And, and she is talking to a younger person and finds out there's something going on and, and like, hey, can I pray for you? And the young person is like, yeah, sure. What could it harm? <laughs> Unbeknownst to them that this person soaks in the presence and power of God. And <laughs> when she's about to unleash, it's about to go, right? And, you know, she's like, in Jesus, why you <laughs> Right? And just like, boom. I think it's a lot more like that, honestly, than the fearful Christian who might have a little candle to share with somebody. You have the river of God in you, and if you give opportunity for him to minister to people, oh, you, never, you will be amazed what he'll do through your life. I, if I could sit you down and bend your ear, I could bend your ear for hours of all the situations that God stuck me in that I should never have been in. And he doing stuff that has nothing to do with me. It's just giving him opportunity. So much more here. Verse 37, we'll end it with this. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. This is what's going to happen to you. If You've been stuck and you can't see the needs anymore. If I said to you, hey, I want you to minister to 10 people with needs this week. And you said to me, man, I don't think I know 10 people with needs. Then I would tell you that you've got to have your eyes reopened. You're, you're, you're missing it. You are surrounded by people who need the, the love of God. You're surrounded by them. They're everywhere, right? God brings them across your path all the time. You got to have your eyes reopen. The secret to Jesus' ministry was that he decided he was going to be a hope dealer and he was going to minister to people. Leaving the results up to the Father, he's going to minister. And so everywhere he went, he shared that God was turning this thing around and that he healed people, he ministered to people. If you choose to do this, just to give hope to the people that vomit on you all their problems, okay? This simple thing, you'll know from now on, this is the trigger point, ready? Here it is. Hey, how you doing? Oh, man, I can't believe the week I had. When that vomit comes out and tries to spew on you, whatever it is, okay, when someone's stuff comes up out of them, the pain, you'll know, oh, God's given me an assignment. That's it. If you do this, every time somebody shares with you something wrong going on, something painful going on, something that's, oh, man, if you just knew, any of that stuff, if you see that from now on as, ah, this is God's assignment, all you have to do in that place is announce that God, give him hope. Man, I really know that God's going to turn your situation around. I'm so sorry for what you're going through. God is going to turn this thing around boldly. God's gonna turn this thing around. Can I pray for you? And then minister the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit manifests, He manifests in His gifts. He'll give you a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, prophetic word, gifts of healing, miracles, gifts of tongue, interpretation. You'll discern what's going on spiritually. That stuff will flow through you, a gift of faith. You don't have to try to figure out which one He's doing and no, 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 just be present and minister to people. He will do his thing. Okay? If you'll do this, your eyes will be opened. You'll start to see what's going on. You'll start to see what's going on. You'll have eyes of compassion, and then your heart will begin to cry with intercession the way Jesus was, which was, man, there's not enough people out here doing this. Look at all the need. There's not enough people out here giving a rip. I don't need you to go out every Friday night into the streets. If you want to do that, that's amazing. What I need you to do, though, and what I'm asking of you as a church, this is who we are, core DNA, is I need you to show up in your real life. I don't, I'm not asking you to stand on a coffee table at Christmas and finally preach to all your, your, your relatives. In fact, I'm actually telling you, don't do that. Don't do that. It's offensive. It's weird. Don't do that. However, if you show up and you care and you give a rip and you find out what's going on in their life and you offer prayer and the Holy Spirit shows up, man, God's going to touch your family. It's going to be awesome. And it'll be normal and it will feel fine. It's not going to be awkward. People will be happier there. When you go to work on Monday, I want you to show up with all your best effort. I want you to do the best you can for that boss of yours. I want you to make sure that you are thankful for the check that's coming to you because not everybody has a job right now. And God's providing through that thing. And I want you to pray for blessing, to fall in that business so that this can keep going, so there can be provision. I want you to fully show up. And when you fully show up, I want your eyes open to the needs around you so that when there's an opportunity, you're a hope dealer. You're giving hope. Minister to people as it comes to you. Don't bring your Bible to work and stand on the break table and preach to all them sinners. Knock that crap off. That's not why you're there. It's offensive and it's weird. However, if you show up as a hope dealer, you're going to become a beloved employee. Why? Because you're working your tail end off and you're helping. Yes, yes. That kind of person will transform your work environment. Man, look at this room, y'all. We just went back to our normal lives and just loved on the people. Your neighbors like that, find out what's going on, care. I don't need you to have agenda items. Just pay attention on the journey that God's got you on. Are you alive? Just stand to your feet today. Aren't you glad I'm back? Would you put a hand on your own heart? Man, I'm lit up. Let's do this. There's a revival at hand. There's a river. Man, there's so many that have needs, and they just need you to care. Just care. If you'll show up and care, I'm telling you, God's going to move through your life. Father, I thank you that today in this place, in your presence, that you're here and that you care. You care so deeply about people. Lord, I don't know what's going on in each person's life here. There might be people that have come today and they just, they're in that place and need themselves. Lord, I know that you want to meet their need. and I'm asking Holy Spirit that you would put believers in their path to help. Lord, align their path with people that can help. Lord, I thank you that we're on assignment, that we're not our own, that our lives are not our own. It's not an agenda that drives us, but that we get to walk, the privilege of walking with you each day and that you are with us, that your angels are going before us and preparing good works for us to do. And so, Father, I'm asking that the anointing of your Holy Spirit, your baptism would come upon this people, the baptism of the Holy Spirit would come upon your sons and daughters and that you would empower them to share this hope. Share the good news that you're here among us, that you care, that you're turning things around. Holy Spirit of God, would you come? Thank you, Jesus. Anoint people powerfully, Lord. Anoint people powerfully. If you came in here today and you'd say to me, Pastor Jamie, I, I don't know Jesus. I, he's not the Lord of my life, but I want to make him the Lord of my life. I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. If you'd say to me, I've been far away from God. I've been doing my own thing, but I, I, I want to return. I want my life to have meaning. I want to surrender to Jesus' Lordship. I want to do this thing. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I haven't been. I want to. If that's you today, right now in this place, it's the time to surrender, It's the time. Come on. Now is the time. Don't walk out of this place and say, I'll do it later. I want you to do it now. Okay. If that's you today, I just want you to wave at me. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're just going to pray right now. But you're saying, I'm coming back to Jesus today. If that's you, just wave at me. Yeah, come on. I see you. Yeah. Is there anybody in here that you don't know Jesus, but you want to surrender your life to him today? If that's you, come on, just wave at me, will you? I'm going to pray for you right now. Yeah, I see it. Come on. All right, church, every person in this room, every voice, I want you to pray out loud this prayer. You're going to repeat after me. If you raised your hand or you're coming back to the Lord, even if you didn't raise your hand, you're coming back to the Lord today. I want this, these words to come out of your mouth and mean it from your heart. God's going to encounter you today. He's going to change your life. Pray with me right now, church. Father in heaven. Come on, every voice. Father in heaven. Thank you for sending Jesus that he died for me in my place and today I surrender I receive your death Jesus as payment for my sins please forgive me please wash me come into my life Holy Spirit fill me come upon me seal me as your child I surrender to you Father, right now I pray that you would touch people's lives, you transform them. Holy Spirit of God, that you would start a work of hope. I'm telling you, if you pray that prayer today, your life is about to change. There is hope. He's turning this thing around. He's turning this thing around. If you have felt hopeless, you came in here today and you felt hopeless, come on, do not leave here today without receiving some prayer. At the end of this service, there's going to be prayer ministers at the front of the sanctuary. If you came in here today and you don't have a hope about a situation, don't leave without getting prayer. You're welcome to turn to a neighbor and say, hey, would you pray for me? Just get prayer. Let somebody minister the Holy Spirit over you today, okay? Father, I thank you for your people. I bless them today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's favor and countenance come upon your life and he be gracious to you and give you peace. God, I bless your people today in the mighty name of Jesus. And anybody who dared to agree with that prayer said. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today?